Well, hello there. This is Milena, your host of the Retail Mavericks podcast. In this episode, we have taken a popular webinar and converted it into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Join Heather Martin, Vice President of Sales, along with Jackie Whiteman, Sales Director at Hybrid, as they walk us through the fascinating world of AI and how it applies to retail. Heather and Jackie explore how AI is being used to find the right balance of risk and reward for different retail growth strategies. In addition, they explain how AI can rapidly and iteratively simulate different strategies to achieve merchandising growth plans. You can visit hybrid.com forward slash resources to watch the full webinar. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CMA and SEMA weekly webinar series. My name is Susie Wirtz. I'm the Member Services Director here at the CMA, and I will be your host for today. Today, our member, Hyvory, an AI category management optimization company, is going to explore how AI and ML, machine learning, are being used to simulate the impact of human judgment, both in our industry and beyond. We will learn how AI and ML are used to augment and qualify human decisions, find the right balance of risk and reward for different retail growth strategies, and rapidly iterate to achieve growth plans. What a great extension to our white paper that we recently published that's now available in our resource library, Demystifying AI and Machine Learning for the Industry. We first have, and I'd like to introduce, Heather Martin, Vice President of Sales, who has worked with some of the largest CPG clients in the world, joining Hivery with a mission to help clients grow their businesses through the democratization of AI. Also, I'd love to welcome Jackie Whiteman, Sales Director, who brings experience at InfoScout, Numerator, and most recently in the e-commerce data space to help her clients bring key insights to the organizations that inform strategy and grow their bottom line. Welcome again to Heather and Jackie, and I will turn it over to you guys. Our webinar is called Using AI to Simulate the Impact of Human Judgment. Um, we all know humans are intelligent, and we've heard that computers are intelligent too. So today we're here to talk about how humans and AI together drive better outcomes. First, we want to explain the difference between data-based decisions and AI-based decisions. We'll then share some real-life examples about how humans and AI together are driving better outcomes than either one alone. And we'll talk about applications of AI for category management and share some examples of AI-fueled decisions that have actually fostered incremental category growth at retail. So it's important to distinguish between data-fueled versus AI-fueled decisions. Um, there was actually a great article published in the Harvard Business Review a couple years ago called What AI-Driven Decision-Making Looks Like. And that was by Eric Colson, who is Stitch Fix's head of data science. So he had me figured out pretty well. Uh, be sure to give it a glance. I'll quote it a little bit here. Before the data explosion of this century, many critical business decisions were made based on the gut instincts of one or two business leaders. Luckily, we have adapted to making informed decisions based on at least some data, right? But now we're capturing unthinkable volumes of data and using humans to process it all is no longer the best way to actually extract the most value from everything that's available. 
So humans are actually a finite resource, right? We have our own experiences, knowledge and abilities, and we still have our instincts, which are all powerful tools and need to be leveraged in decision-making, but using people to process data isn't the best way. We're prone to making mistakes. We're prone to introducing our biases. We also need to sleep at night, maybe take a break to eat, and therefore tackling all possible analysis just isn't scalable if we're doing that with people. As it turns out, computers can do math better than humans with fewer errors, and they don't get bored or sleepy or frustrated. So now that we've advanced computing capabilities by creating artificial intelligence, we really need to allow the machines to do more heavy lifting. They're good at the tedious work. We're better at the strategy work. And Data holds the insights, right? So where real advancement happens is when we let the computers answer more what ifs by processing the crazy amount available and identifying the patterns in those data. And then we humans can apply our knowledge, experience, our common sense, and even sometimes our instincts to result in optimal outcomes. So let's talk about AI in real life. Most of us are AI users, but we might not always recognize the technology for what it is. For instance, we can all find our way around now, thanks to Google Maps. I remember the paper map days. This is an incredible technology because it knows all the possible paths. It considers traffic, construction, even accidents, and optimizes our route in real time. And I live in Denver where traffic is horrendous and the airport is actually nowhere near Denver. So I use Google Maps every time I need to get on a plane, but I also have to tell it, I wanna avoid the toll road and I have to drop my dog off at the boarding place. Google then optimizes my route by taking into account these specific constraints and it does it without bias. And if you're like me, maybe you've tried to occasionally outsmart it uh, because you thought the route it gave you was crazy and then you're sorry because it knew something you didn't and you ended up sitting in a traffic jam. Another example of AI and people together achieving better outcomes is actually from a study about breast cancer diagnosis accuracy. Alone, human pathologists successfully diagnose cancer 96% of the time which is pretty good, but in a life or potentially death situation, perfection's kind of a big deal. And then AI alone successfully diagnosed cancer 92% of the time, not quite as good as the human pathologists, but when the human pathologists were aided by deep learning, which is a subspecialty of artificial intelligence, their error rate went down drastically. Together, the pathologists and the AI were successful 99.5% of the time. That's about three more lives saved out of 100 patients. So why are they better together? Why does this happen? And why is AI being used in all these real life use cases? Um, first, as Jackie said, data sets are growing, right? Years ago, it was said that 90% of the world's data was created in two years. And whatever that number is today, most of the companies that I have worked with know they have more data than humans are able to process, but also that real value comes from deriving insights out of it. And that data is a fire hose. It's coming faster with more variables and more noise than ever before. Unlimited capacity. Neurons are what enable pattern detection in data. A fruit fly has about 100,000 neurons. Humans have about 100 billion and machines can have unlimited. So to handle the data that we've described, we need a brain that's better at detecting those patterns. 
And then I think we can all agree that even if humans were actually able to analyze all the granular data we've described, most use cases for that analysis really require it to be analyzed quickly to derive those relevant insights and value and time to, to implement them. So we need to be able to do that faster. Now, those three really might be the obvious reasons why AI is needed to meet the challenges we face today. But the less obvious one is that our biases actually limit our creativity. And when you remove those biases and no longer tell the AI how to solve a problem, but just that the problem needs to be solved, something pretty incredible happens. When you remove human bias, new opportunities arise and they arise faster. So you may have seen videos of AI playing Atari Breakout or other simple games where the AI devises strategies to beat the game. And this same concept has been proven in more strategic games like chess or Go. Now, if you're not familiar with Go, because I wasn't, it's said to be the most complex of all games. There are more possible variations of Go games than there are subatomic particles in the known universe. Unlike chess, for example, every stone in Go can make the same move and any move is possible at all times, which just adds the, to the complexity. The game has been around for more than 3000 years and Google created an AI called AlphaGo and after training the AI, it began to play the world's most prolific Go players. There's a famous match between AlphaGo and Lee Seedall, where the two players played best out of five games. In game two, AlphaGo played a move called Move 37 that no human would have ever played. In fact, the person who was simulating AlphaGo's moves on the board got it wrong and had to take it back. Lee, the opponent, left the room for 15 minutes because he didn't know how to respond and professional commentators unanimously agreed that no human would have ever played the move. In fact, they said, no one knows why, but it was considered a bad move. There's your human bias. In fact, when Google looked back at the logs and saw that AlphaGo made this move, the AI had predicted there was only a one in 10,000 probability that a human would have ever played that move. But later, when, they, when AlphaGo won the game, the analysis showed it was that move, move 37, that really clinched the win. So a lot of people focus on the genius in AI, but this discussion is about humans and machines working together. So for me, move 37 is not the most astonishing thing about this match. In fact, two games later in game four, Lee, the human, made another move that no machine would ever expect. It was dubbed God's touch, which is really high praise by Go players. Indeed, it was just as beautiful as the move from AlphaGo. And again, there was just a one in 10,000 chance that that move would ever be played by a human. This symmetry of two one in 10,000 moves happening in the same match shows that machines can do amazing things, but they can't do everything that humans can do. And they can actually push humans to be better. After playing with AlphaGo experts of Go, their world rankings skyrocket. In interviews, they say they see the, room, the game completely differently. Unbridled AI is super powerful, but when humans and AI play to each other's strengths, that's when the magic really happens. All right, let's talk about how this dance between humans and AI plays out in category management. I think we can all agree there's tons of data. It's a matter of processing it. That's the challenge. We've never been able to get to store level assortment and space analysis before. It's just too much data, too many calculations for any humans to accurately identify the patterns between all possible items at all possible stores. By using the unlimited computing power of AI, Hivery ingests and analyzes store level sales and space data. It runs billions of calculations really fast in order to predict how any given item will perform at any given store. Then it prescribes the best assortment and space plan for whatever level you're executing at, whether it's cluster level, micro cluster, or even store level. Here's the thing. 
if you ask AI what should be on the shelf in order to sell the most stuff and don't give it any guidelines about product placement or insights from your shopper research or real life execution constraints like gravity, for instance, the output won't be executable. This is where our human smarts are required. We have to inform it, we have to give it guardrails and a goal, such as informative shopper trends like ginger flavors or on the rise, or make it realistic for our retailer to execute, like limiting total churn and ensuring proper placement, and then we let it work. Because it's crunching the data from the bottoms up, it can accurately predict the total impact to volume and dollars for the category at that retailer, so we can make better informed decisions. By the way, once we make that decision, this AI gives us the path to go execute, like the add, keep, delete files and planograms, just like Google Maps gives us turn-by-turn -turn directions. AI-enabled category experts can answer questions that were previously way too big to tackle, and they can answer more of them. By knowing the outcomes of the possible actions ahead of time, we can make the best, most informed decisions for their retail partners and their companies. And by delegating the tedious work to the computer and focusing their efforts more on strategy and implementation, together they achieve better outcomes. So we've talked about how AI can be given a goal and then maximize that goal. And we've talked about how humans and AI can work together and that what that looks like in theory. So let's talk about some specific examples. For instance, I'm sure you've been asked to grow your category revenue while constraining something like total product churn or increasing holding power. That's a really difficult analysis leveraging tools today, especially when the constraint needs to be applied at every store and not just at a national level. In this example, we're working with hard hit COVID categories, where after a stellar 2020, it's challenging to grow the category or even mitigate the decline in 2021 and 2022. The particular retailer had a risk appetite around churn or the percentage of items that can change, be added or deleted in each store. But when faced with trying to grow over 2020, what if we were able to lift that churn and analyze where growth could be found by maximizing the overall revenue? In this analysis, the partnership between AI and humans is focused on category managers and merchants identifying the assortment risk profile and constraining the AI to a specific churn limit. And the AI is solving for the best assortment to maximize revenue growth given that limit. So let me start by describing what you're seeing in this graph. On the x-axis is the churn rate, the number of items added plus the number of items deleted divided by the total assorted items to get to a percent gross churn. Although averaged for simplicity, the churn limit applies to each individual store in order to limit labor during the changeover. It's not analyzed at the national level here. The bars are showing how the AI is leveraging that churn. Green is the percentage of items added and yellow is the percentage of items deleted. Because this assortment analysis is space aware at each store, you can see that with the more limited churn rates on the far left, it's using that space to add new items in. But as the churn limits are opened up on the right, you can see that the AI is also recommending that we remove poor performing items in favor of adding new items that were predicted to sell well. The line graph in the middle is the growth or decline over 2020. So you can see that if we keep the churn limit at 5% on the far left, the AI predicts that the category will decline 4.6%, even when adding in that additional assortment. But if we increase our risk appetite and increase that churn limit to say 15%, the AI recommends adding 9.5% new items into each store, 4.4% of items are removed, and it drives 1.5% growth over 2020. 
Because we're leveraging AI, we can simulate each of these scenarios. What happens if the churn limit's 5%? What about six? What about seven? We can do those all simultaneously and return those results, identifying the growth opportunity over last year without spending weeks on the analysis. We also return the assortment for each store to get us there and then allow the category manager and merchant really to spend their time deciding what the right risk reward profile is to actually execute in market. So our second example is another human judgment that's been made on many categories, and that is whether the category should be store specific or clustered. And within clusters, there are many ranges, micro clusters, macro clusters, velocity clusters, footage clusters, demographic clusters. I'm not here to tell you what's right for your category. I'm just pointing out that it's a judgment decision and that AI can help simulate it. With AI, we can simulate, what if I took my category to store specific assortment before testing it in market and allow that human judgment decision to be made on what the predicted impact is to the category in each store. On this graph, each bar on the x-axis represents an individual store and the y-axis is the percent growth opportunity over the previous year at that store. In this simulation, the AI was able to identify growth in every single store. In fact, 95% of these stores are predicted to grow more than 5%. But what's really cool is that 106 of those stores are predicted to grow over 10%. So in this case, maybe it doesn't make sense to take the whole category store specific, but maybe those 106 stores should go store specific in order to capture that growth opportunity. This is a chart we run for every single one of our customers because it takes about five minutes to set it up about 30 minutes to run. And I'll tell you something you already know. Every category is different, but every category has growth. And many of my customers and their retail partners tell me they've just never known what that value is before, so they couldn't even make that decision. Nevertheless, sometimes it still makes sense to optimize within clusters. And before you ask, um, each of these graphs is actually from a different customer and different retailer in order to mask the data. Uh, so don't try to connect them between the, between the three. So, this graph is actually read the same way as the other one. On the x-axis, you have bars that are representing a single store, and on the y-axis is the growth opportunity. In this clustered example, each store in every single cluster is impacted by the clustered assortment differently. As a result, we can clearly see that on the far right, about 7.5% of the total stores are sacrificed for the greater good in order to allow the retail chain to grow 4.5%. And this is without adding a single cluster or any more complexity not adding a single new item or any trade promotion dollars. It's just by analyzing that granular store level data and aggregating it up instead of disaggregating it down. And now that we know the value of store specific on the previous slide and the value of clusters, we as humans can really iterate on the right balance between the two. This is another way of looking at that simulation in order to identify the balance between clustered or store specific approach. So on the x-axis, we have the cumulative percent of stores and on the y-axis, we have the revenue opportunity. So if we were to assign store-specific assortment to 40% of the stores, we could capture 50% of the total revenue opportunity. In this category, the opportunity curve is fairly linear. So there is a judgment call to be made around the appetite to draw, proof, and check in significantly more planograms in consideration of the overall growth opportunity. The important part here is that we're using AI to simulate the scenarios and do the heavy lifting of this complex bottoms-up analysis allowing the category managers and their retail partners to focus their time and energy on determining what the right balance is according to the retailer strategy. So in the last example we have here is leveraging predictive analytics to identify the right tipping point to where costs outweigh benefits for any category changes at the retailer. Um, so let's say in this example that a candy manufacturer is having supply issues and the merchant is trying to identify what's the category impact of requiring points of distribution cuts on that manufacturer because of the supply issues. What happens to the category when their points of distribution are reduced? 
How can we re-optimize the remaining assortment to protect the category? And where do we make sure we put those points of distribution so that they're most beneficial to the category overall with, with such a limit? So in this example, we use AI to run multiple what-if scenarios to predict the sales impacts of reducing the points of distribution for Acme Candy Company. We asked what happens to the whole candy category if we reduce Acme Brands points of distribution by 2.5%, the starting point for the red and purple lines there on the upper left. In purple, we see the impact to the total category dollars, and in red, we see the impact to Acme sales. And we run this for 2.5%, 5%, 7.5%, and we run them all very quickly and simultaneously. So here we can see the tipping point where the category impact levels off and the AI is able to optimize the remaining space to keep the category nearly whole despite these supply issues. So now the merchant knows where the maximum impact to the supply issues will have on her category and how to optimize that impact by replacing the lost points of distribution with optimized assortment. So AI optimized assortments in space fuel category growth by making the shelf work as hard for you and your retailer as possible. Many of you are familiar with Michael Lewis's book Moneyball and the movie by the same name based on the story of Billy Bean who stepped away from the conventional legacy systems of recruiting in baseball and really redefined the criteria for what makes a successful player or team. Basically, Billy used math to reassort the Oakland A's roster into a winning team, even though they didn't have much money to pay players. Our AI is a little bit like this concept of using math to stack a roster. This is how you can make the limited shelf space, like the A's limited salary, work as hard for you and your retailer as possible. So our vision for how AI simulates the impact of human judgment and category management is really to take the unintentional bias out of decision-making by allowing you to test more what-ifs and simulate the impact of assortment and revenue so quickly that there's no reason to say, I never knew the value of doing X, or I just don't know the results of doing Y. Let's simulate the impact of a strategy at each store, applying unique shopper and consumer insights. Let's ensure that simulation is executable at each store and at the appropriate retail execution level. And then we can make decisions from a place of knowing. I think we're seeing some questions come in here. Heather, you want me to read you the first two? Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Uh, okay, when you say augment and qualified judgment, what does this mean if you're in sales category or shopper insights? Good yeah, great question. So when we say augment human judgment, right, really what happens there is we know things as humans or we have learned things about through our research, our consumer research, our primary research, what shoppers are doing, how trends are changing. All of this is super unique to the research that we've run as a, as a specific company or as a retailer. Um, on the sales side, maybe there's a specific strategy my marketing team has or that I have or that my retailer has that I'm trying to support. We're seeing a lot right now of sales partners trying to meet their retailers' needs of reducing SKUs and reducing complexity of the category. So how do we lean in on that need while also trying to help keep our portfolio whole, right? So being able to align those strategies and those insights is part of the augmentation side of it, what humans are giving to the AI, but letting the AI do that work so that it's absolutely delivering the best results for the manufacturer and the, and the retailer. I'll take this other one here. They're asking for a client story of how our simulation made an impact to the bottom line. 
So we have uh, a number of stories, thankfully. <laughs> the one that I think is uh, pretty cool is the one that we've been repeating for years in a row. So we partnered with a major carbonated soft drink manufacturer and their major mass retailer partner. Um, sorry, we have pretty tight NDAs, so I cannot disclose those two parties. But what happened was back in 2017, the carbonated soft drink category has been having a rough go of it, right? Sugary drinks are a little bit on the decline. And so they were tasked with growing the category despite, you know, reduced distribution, reduced promotional support. What the heck can they do? So they decided to try to move the assortments a little closer to hyper-local assortments, meaning going closer to store level. And they used Hybrid's technology to help them understand what should be on the shelf where in order to reverse that decline. And it worked. Um, in 2017, we grew that category $150 million for the retailer. 50 million of which went into our client's portfolio. Not only that, you know, that's cool. Maybe it's a fluke when we did it year one, but we have repeated that years two, years three, and year four just recently. So uh, we know it works. Great question. Let me uh, read this last one, okay, Jackie. Great. So um, oftentimes solution like this require deep technical or analytical knowledge or specialized data. You basically need to be a data scientist. So how easy is it to use Hybrid Curate? This is a great question, because I think when we think about the topic of this webinar of augmenting human judgment, that only works if a human can use it, right? And not a human that is doing data science, but a human that's really close to the problem set and close to working with the retailer. So Hybrid Curate's SaaS-based product, our customers are trained on it, and they're just creating rules. So easy rules that can say, hey, I want to increase the velocity on this product by this percentage, or of these three products, I want you to pick two and put them in the best stores. Um, so all of those rules are written really in plain English and, um, and our, our clients are able to implement them themselves. From a data set, we actually use the least amount of data necessary in order to allow our customers to get up and running really quickly. Um, we, our customers typically get up to run up and running in about two to three weeks. We then train them on the platform, do advanced training, and they're able to use it as part of their, their relay process. So you definitely don't need to be a data scientist. In fact, we want to put this in the hands of practitioners. That's who it was built by and that's who it's built for. Okay, this next question, I'm just going to read aloud, Heather. Can you explain in simple words how this AI works? Yes, <laughs> but it goes on to say, um, what kinds of algorithms does it use? A super hyper sophisticated mix of regression, statistical forecasting, et cetera. I suppose it's very complex, but is there a way to explain it without being a data scientist? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, let me try to, ex I'll explain it the way that I can. Um, as far as the statistical forecasting, regression, all of that, if we wanna go into more detail, I'm certainly happy to, to get some time set up with the product experts, but at the most basic, the way I think about this is the AI in just, the data that we give it, right? Think point of sale data by store, by SKU. Um, and then it analyzes all of the mathematical relationships between every single product at every single store and every single product at every single other store. And it does that in order to learn and predict how each item is going to perform at each store, even if it's never actually sold there. So it starts with, with those predictions at the baseline. 
Um, beyond that, then it's going to apply all of the constraints and the rules that we give it. It's going to ingest the planogram files if those are available, so we know how much space is available on the shelf, or it's going to know how many points of distribution that are available today so that it's working within a constraint of space and a number of products, right? Because we can't just you know, fill the entire store with a single category. Once it does that, it then also, or it's then going to apply all those constraints and predict, well, what's the best assortment that fits all of those constraints and all those variables we just gave it, that's also predicted to perform as, as best as possible at each store. And based on that, it's going to spit out the, um, the predicted revenue impact of the category, the brand, the beautiful thing about starting from the, from the bottom up is that it will, um, we can aggregate it up to any level that we want to analyze it. And it also spits out the planogram at the end to say, okay, um, if we're actually going to go execute this in store, here's the planogram that we need to work with. To that point, to put it in simplest terms, it analyzes every single possible item for every single possible location. And the magic is in the math, uh, the patterns that it can identify by all of those billions of calculations. So in its simplest form, that's what it's doing. Um, but we do have the ability to go in deeper on a demo and explain uh, a little bit more for whoever's asking that question, for sure. Yeah, great question. And then the follow-up question from that same person is, how do you model the problem to be solved? And I assume here you're talking about those, uh, those use cases, those business questions or the hypotheses that we're putting into place. And that's within the user interface of the platform. You don't have to write code. You don't have to be a data scientist. You don't have to write like if then statements, um, it's really as simple as selecting the scope of the products that you wanna apply a rule to. So that could be by brand, it could be by UPC, it could be by subcategory, something like that. The second step is to say, well, what stores do I wanna apply this to? Again, by cluster, by store attribute, all of those are, are based on the data that we ingest. And then you give it a rule and that rule might be, okay, of the 15 pure protein products, that are in this category. I wanna make sure that the best 10 of those products go into the best 70% of stores. And you quite literally just uh, fill in 70% of stores and 10 products, and then submit the rule to the AI and press optimize. Um, so it's really very simple to write those and it's all part of the user interface. It's not code or anything like that. So there you have it. Pretty cool, I must say. Thank you for listening until the end of this podcast. If you like anything you hear from Heather and Jackie, or like to explore how AI can be used to rapidly and iteratively simulate different strategies to achieve your merchandising growth plans, or even watch a demo, just visit hivery.com forward slash curate and simply book a time. For now, remember, data has a better idea. Until the next time.